Hello, Jeff and Jordan. Stephanie here. My TARDIS was in the shop, so I wasn't able to get Marilyn for you. This will have to do. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, All Us Geeks podcast. Happy birthday to you. Congrats on your second anniversary. Yo. Head up, think fast. You're about to feel the blast. It's the dopest podcast on the net. Oh, yeah. All us geeks, fresh your bet. We round the world. We round the net. So get ready and get set. Because we make it look easy. No sweat. Jeff and Jordan, the host. Yeah, they be the best. From the north to the south, to the east, to the west. They cover movies, comics, TV shows, books. These guys going to get you hooked. Don't stop now. Just take a look. And don't forget to sign our Facebook. Because what they doing is board games, video games. Yeah, they on it. They fly like a comet. Interviews is up. This podcast is pure. Give voice to your inner geek, that's for sure. Geek out any topic. No one ain't going to ever, ever stop it. So if you want to go and get it on, then head to allisgeeks.com. Happy birthday, all of Skeeks. Happy birthday, all of Skeeks. Thanks for playing the games you play. Happy birthday, all of Skeeks. Welcome to episode 43 of All Us Geeks. I'm Jeff King. And I'm back to being Jordan Steinhoff. And we're here to give voice to your inner geek. No, that's the monkey. The monkey. Hey, we get to start off this episode with a sponsor. It's always a good way to start the episode. And this is somebody that actually has a, a site ad right now. So if you go to allusgeeks.com, you can see the site ad and click over from there. Or, of course, check the show notes because we'll have the link for the sponsor there as well. But we are talking about the D4 Rollable Four-Sided Dice. That's the name of the project. So through additional conversations that Leo and I have had, he's decided he wants to sponsor this episode and the next episode of the Game of Crowdfunding Draft Picks. So we appreciate that greatly. Thanks a lot, Leo. Happy to have you aboard for the next two episodes. So we wanted to give a little love up front to the project that he has going on. And, of course, the uh, rollable four-sided dice. What is that? Well, we're getting away from the caltrop-shaped D4s. And I don't know about you guys, but we collect dice in our house. So just from the different slash cool factor of this, this is something that we are kind of looking at that may need to go in our dice jar. These would look very nice in our dice jar. So they've got these rollable D4s in different colors, and the number when you roll it should appear on top like you are used to with most dice that you roll. So it's easy to tell what you've rolled. And he's got... Several different colors over there that you can choose from. It is completely funded, so that's cool. He's moving towards stretch goals. And what some of those stretch goals are, are more colors and fonts that you can choose from for your rollable D4s. So the more money that goes towards this project, the more options you're going to have for your D4s. Customize them a little bit. So that's pretty cool. And this project is going to be going on until May 19th, 2014. 
So definitely go check it out. Definitely go give uh, Leo some love on this project. And, you know, if you decide to back it, uh, go ahead and leave in the comments over there that uh, you appreciate him supporting the Alice Geeks podcast because I know we love it and we uh, are grateful for it. But letting these people know that uh, you appreciate them supporting us helps as well. So go check it out. Again, D4, rollable four-sided dice. I think it was still going when we recorded last, but the uh, Give It to the King contest is over and the winner has been selected. And actually, Chris already has his game. I saw he posted uh, to us in flex capacity on... uh, Twitter today, I think it was, or today or yesterday, yesterday, yesterday maybe. Yeah. So Chris has his give it to the king. So that's awesome. And of course we have the contest for forged in fire going on right now on the website. So you Ching. <laughs> Ching. and of course that is the upcoming expansion for mage wars from arcane wonders. That's going until May 6th. And then uh, we will select a winner for that. That will be uh, shipped by Arcane Wonders. And, of course, you will have to wait for it to actually be available, <laughs> which I believe they're looking at a June release for that, if I remember correctly. Sorry, people. It's just a contest. We don't have the product. Yeah. But we do have spoilers. We do have Teaser Tuesdays, which has been kind of fun. So we've got one more of those. Today we uh, released the second one, so next week we'll release the third one. And then, of course, we have our uh, listener-only contest going on right now, which if you listen to Geek News, you heard about. Uh, So we'll say no more. So we will say no more. (laughs) But we do have some entries. Jeffrey, two years ago you came to me and you asked me for a favor. I did not refuse you. I let you do a podcast about all us geeks. I want to thank you very much. You've had a very successful two years. I sincerely hope that when the time comes that I ask you for a favor, you will reciprocate in kind. Happy birthday. So that is awesome. We've gotten uh, quite a few entries. You know, I was going to give you one of these that I was going to make you read. Make me? You can't make oh, me do it. You have no idea. <laughs> but uh, I, we just haven't had that time. <laughs> So. I ain't putting that suit back on. <laughs> but we've gotten some really, really cool entries and a lot. Of, and again, thanks, guys. It's been awesome having you guys kind of reach out and, and let us know uh, you're out there and that you enjoy what we do. So that's awesome. And I'll try to highlight a few here. I mean, uh, we've got Anthony, who's been with us for a while now, too. In fact, I think he even says in here, yep, he started listening during the pledge drive and hasn't regretted a moment of it. So that is a... uh Special listener to me right there, because the pledge drive was a interesting time to come on to all us geeks. I always always wonder what people think when they first join up, if they join during the pledge drive. Just kind of went, what the hell is this? Here I am on day 28. <laughs> yes. I, I have nothing left to talk about, so. <laughs> I haven't had food in days. I think the natives are getting restless. <laughs> And of course, uh, Sarah, Sarah wished us a uh, happy second, but she said that we needed to stop, uh, the terrible birthday tradition of being sick. I don't know. When it works, it works. Hey, you gotta go. It got us go. where we are. You gotta go with what works. <laughs> <laughs> and Sarah's was the one I was going to have you read because, um, Sarah actually gave us another one in email form that was, um, well, baby talk. <laughs> so I wanted that in Jordan voice. Oh, I can do that. All right. <laughs> 
And then Aaron sent us a ode to all of us geeks. Oh, yeah, we're in Poetry. In my boring day, I listen to all us geeks. They make me want to play great games for many weeks. Jeff and Jordan have grown on me, not unlike a fungus. I can't believe the universe unleashed them both among us. Their dulcet tones, don't snicker, give us news and views. But they scare when I see them on their video reviews. In truth, All Us Geeks is the best podcast I've found. Thank you for two great years. Keep going. See you around. Good structure. Good <laughs> good cadence. Good tempo. I like it. Excellent, I like it. Excellent yeah. voice. Doing it. We didn't hear him. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> and no Kleenex either. You just use your shirt sleeve. Stephanie over on Twitter. She actually just started listening to us, like right as we said that we were having the contest. She jumped in right away and called us her newest podcast addiction. And uh, she said she's really enjoying what we've done. So that's cool. We well, we got 42 ups to cure that. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of which, <laughs> Saad sent one as well. I got him on here, but uh, he uh, he was nice enough. Like I, I think I already told you a little bit about, but he was nice enough to let us know that we got him through a four-hour traffic jam. So he was grateful. I call that punishment, but he was grateful. <laughs> so he listened well, it's either to either that or getting angry at the stupid person in front of you for whatever caused the accident. <laughs> yeah, it's much easier to yell at us. Yeah. <laughs> it's much easier. And uh actually talked to him today, and he was going back to get the previous 40 episodes or so that he hasn't listened to yet, which has been interesting because I swear to God, Sod, you're 75 years old. Learn how to use a freaking computer. <laughs> Love you, brother. <laughs> Brian, of course, I mean, you know, he's given us a silent treatment, so I just threw out all his entries. <laughs> Jacob, I told you about my uh, conversation with Jacob, who, uh, before releasing episode 42, did the uh, Marilyn Monroe happy birthday and then heard 42 and said, and said he got a chuckle knowing that we put that idea in his head and I had to blow his mind and let him know, no, no, we recorded that like a week and a half before you sent that email. So he found that creepy. <laughs> Again, going back to my superhero, mind control. <laughs> there you go. And uh Daniel, Daniel sent me one as well. He's actually a new listener as well, I believe. He said he finally uh, caught up on the most recent ones. Yeah, he's, I've only been listening for a few months and I've loved every minute. I hope I get to listen to at least two more years with you guys. So that's awesome. So we got a lot of... Fans in the prison crowd. Though. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to have to listen to you. It's like I, I just, I'm not getting off on good behavior. <laughs> you better keep going. <laughs> I'll find you. I'll find you when I get out. And of course, uh, Jacob also asked us on Facebook if the uh, terrible twos were going to be making an appearance. Which making exactly continuing? That was, that was like we had to wait till we were two. We, we royally screwed that up. That is licensed to go downhill hard and fast. <laughs> so that's just a few. Uh, again, thanks everybody. We do appreciate it. It's been cool. It's been a lot of fun and I'm uh, glad there are people out there listening to us and like what we do. I mean, again, it's just Jordan and I kind of having conversations we have at the game table or any table really. <laughs> or any electronic media. Yeah. Or, yeah, or online or, you know. Make our significant others walk out of the room on us or <laughs> any of that. Well, good if you'd stuff. keep your pants on. That wouldn't happen <laughs> well, nearly as often. I, I don't know. I think, I think that gets us at least an extra two seconds. 
At least it's noticeable by you then. <laughs> you just gurgle that stuff. Just gurgle it. Oh, we're sorry. I'm not. I know you're not. I'm beyond apologizing. I don't care anymore. This is me, live and in color. One last thing we have for our general conversation here. Jordan and I have been talking, and actually, uh, I've been watching the site, and uh, it's, I don't want to say sister site, but I've been watching some of the, like, there's there's a site called Podfund, which is basically Kickstarter for podcasts, but that's like a Kickstarter. It's a one-shot thing, and then if you want to come back, you put something up again. The other one is Patreon, and I kind of brought it up to Jordan the other day, and Jordan was like, I've been looking at that too, so we started having a conversation about it. I guess we kind of want to get some feedback from you guys. I mean, you guys have been letting us know uh, that you've been enjoying the podcast and and we've been getting feedback on the two-year anniversary and all that stuff. But here's something that we want to kind of float by you guys. You know, we do the pledge drive or we've started trying to do a pledge drive every year. We, you know, we did one last year. We decided we're going to skip this year to kind of match it back up with our actual anniversary instead of doing it in September. So we've had a pledge drive. Yeah, once so we've had a year. pledge drive, <laughs> which was awesome. It was it very was, successful. Yes. It was uh, great because we got to give money to charity plus our costs were covered and all that good stuff. But what Patreon, if you haven't checked it out at all if you haven't heard of it is a site where basically artistic types and including podcasts can put up for basically like an ongoing subscription pledge you know basically you become a a patron of the creative process so there are two ways it can be done it can be done like you say you will pledge x monthly or we can put it up as a you say you will pledge x per episode and the nice thing about doing it like per episode one, if we don't put anything out, you don't get charged for anything. And two, if we put out a lot of stuff, say like a pledge drive, 30 days of podcasting, you actually get to cap what you would give in a monthly. So, I mean, if we, if we, you know, again, if we did like a 30 day thing and, and we tried to say here, you know, all, we need to get paid for all 30 of these, you can go, no, no, no. I said I'd give a max of $10 or yeah. something like that. <laughs> it's very much like sponsoring your kids walkathon. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly like that. <laughs> <laughs> only we, we only, won't be only, walking. Yeah, only we will actually be doing. <laughs> we actually will be doing what we say we're doing because you know a lot of the walking on stuff is just like here. I'll just give you the check because you're not gonna walk anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Why isn't your kid at my door with that pad, lady? Come on, yeah. she can't walk. No. Yeah. What it lets us do, I mean, we, we'll be able to do different like pledge levels, kind of like you're used to on Kickstarter and, and do some things with those. And then it also lets you kind of hit not necessarily stretch goals, but like if you get to so much per episode, you'll do something. And Jordan and I have been kicking around some ideas. This is very rough. Like I said, I've been watching it for a while. There are places that are using it. So Jordan and I were kind of wondering if that might be something that, that some of our listeners uh, especially the, you know, hardcore listeners. And I've had a couple people tell me that they feel like we're giving away too much content or that we do too much for the community. I don't think that's true. And nothing would change podcast wise. I mean, if, if you don't support, if you don't become a patron on the Patreon site, you'll still be able to listen. Yeah. If this doesn't float your boat as an idea, we're certainly not taking this personally or, yeah. or viewing it as, you know, a vote or, or you know, a lack of support. Right. So, I mean, and you would still get the podcast. We wouldn't be like burying the podcast under like a premium pay service, 
pay to listen service or anything like that. The one thing we did kind of kick around though is you might get it like 48 hours earlier than anyone else. There's also like a whole message board behind the tra- uh, the Patreon. So, you, you know, we could have personalized interaction right there for, for patrons and stuff. And there's some other things that we can do. Like I said, we, this is early, early brainstorming from Jordan and I, I, I didn't even realize that Jordan was looking at it as well because I kind of, I have a tendency to stuff like that to really kind of overanalyze and just wait and sit on for a while to make sure it's a good idea. You know, you never know, like pod fun could go away tomorrow Mm -hmm. because it is a relatively new. I don't know how well they're doing yet. And Patreon is fairly new as well, but it's gotten some legs so far. I mean, it's gotten some, some decent success behind it. So it's, and it's a nice idea in the fact that it's not the, uh, here's my, here's my, you know, here's my yeah, project. It's an ongoing. Yeah, it's an yeah, ongoing it's a, thing. And you, and of course you can cancel your subscription whenever you want and all that good stuff. So it's just a nice little thing. And one of the things we had kind of talked about is the much ballyhooed <laughs> private Google Hangout. Yes. Well, there's that too. <laughs> this would not necessarily re- replace the pledge drive. Uh, cause I like doing the pledge drive and I like doing the 30, but what it would be potentially cool for is we could start the, pledge drive off if the patreon goes well we could start the pledge drive with giving to charity instead of having to get to a certain amount and then split it with charity we could split it with charity right away and depending on how well the patreon site would do i might even be up for a larger split towards charity if that's really doing well to fund us uh, instead of 50 50 maybe 70 30 or something like that because you we could always use that cushion because equipment is expensive well, and your math <laughs> is apparently off and my math is off yeah <laughs> i i hose this a little bit luckily we over overfunded <laughs> last time so basically, yeah, we just, we would like to know what you guys think. Uh, is this something that sounds like it would be a decent idea, something you might be interested in? And if you're not, let us know why that too. That's fine too. And again, it's even if we go forward with it, nobody should feel obligated. If you can't afford it, if it's not something you're interested in, we, we're fine. I mean, we're going to still continue to produce content as long as we can afford to produce content. So yeah. And right now, I mean, uh, yeah, I just, Kind of, we just kind of got a house, so some of my money got redistributed. But the pledge drive last year, I mean, we're we're funded through September at least. We've gotten a little more since then through shoutouts and and sponsorships and stuff. So I mean, don't feel bad if it's not something you want. You're you're not interested in. Yeah, l- let us know either way though. I mean, Jordan at All Us Geeks, Jeff at All Us Geeks, Twitter, throw it up on the Facebook. Just once once you hear this, just let us know. We're always looking for ways to not just fund ourselves, but you know, fund ourselves to ensure that we can give you what you appear to be liking. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think, and the, and the best possible quality of that. Yeah. And I think one of the things you talked that you and I had talked about too, and that I think is, is important to kind of discuss as well. It's like, we're definitely not in this to make money. I mean, we like to have things covered and stuff like that. Just in case something ever happens, we don't ever have to worry about like, Oh crap, we can't you know, produce content for a month or, uh, you know, got to work some overtime. Yeah. You know, or, or whatever. And, and so far, I mean, you know, we've worked everything out, but it's not like we're money crazy. Cause we turn down stuff all the time. I, I can tell you, I talk to 10, 15 people a day 
in our emails and how many ads have you actually or sponsorships have you actually heard on the podcasts? <laughs> Not that many. So I try to make sure that it's a good fit all the way around. It's something that we kind of believe in and, and can get behind. Uh, but I, I turn down stuff all the time. And, and again, it's, it's not that people, I mean, people want to give us money all the time and we're not hurting there, but we don't do it unless we feel uh, it fits the show. <laughs> so stop sending us your jeans and your purse kickstarters, people. <laughs> Come on now. New innovations and in ties, dude. <laughs> Bolero, bow, neck. What is left? The nose tie. That is a logical extension of the nose ring. It is. Well, that's kind of all I had for general stuff. Now, are you ready to geek out? Yes. Let us geek out, sir. <laughs> geek out like this is not our second take at this intro. Too much. <laughs> Find a happy medium. God, you are never satisfied. You are like my father. It's just <laughs> never good enough. All right. Sorry it was only four A's. Now, take all of that. <laughs> Roll it up with the Alanis Morissette. The Alanis Morissette, yeah. Can you give me sultry? What we're really looking for here is sultry excitement. Okay, oh. so I'm going to give you your line again. You ready? Jordan. <laughs> Jordan, are you ready to geek out? Oh, I'm going to geek out like you have no idea. And scene. <laughs> I'm going to geek your socks off. I said scene. <laughs> now it's just getting weird. All right. So we told you last time that we were going to talk about Captain America, the Winter Soldier. I thought we were doing Oculus. <laughs> it hasn't come out so I could watch it in my attic yet. <laughs> don't. I so want to. Don't. No, I mean, it's bad. Just don't. Oh, <laughs> Whatever. Even by your admittedly, you know, broad watch standards, it. it's bad. Yes, Captain America. The Winter Soldier. This will be spoiler filled. If you have not seen it, what the hell? <laughs> but check the show notes. Go ahead and do the time jump. See where we pick up on the, the next thing. So you've been warned. This is, now, is be that spoiler filled. Hands on your hips and bring your knees in tight. Yes. Okay. You left it out there and go. <laughs> have you seen it multiple times or just I only once? needed to see it once. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, then. There you go. I've only seen it once, too, but I saw it later than you. So um, what are you thinking? I think that this was, this is what Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. should be. <laughs> Many people have said that the last three or four apps mm -hmm. since this has come out have been a direct continuation of this, and thus the show has really improved. That's what I've heard, too. I don't know. I haven't seen them. Me either. <laughs> but this was a great spy movie. Either by accident or deliberately, they kind of took a page from Fox's book here, as they did with X-Men First Class. And, they, you know, they made an espionage movie with uh, with mutants. They did an espionage movie here that just happened to have Captain America in it. This is, I can't, well, it's not all the president's men, but it is a very good spy movie. If they had taken out Black Widow and Captain America and just made this uh, Nick Fury movie, it would have still been... Well, except for the parts where he's dead. A still a very good Nick Fury movie. Split. Oh, wait. We said there. <laughs> yeah, this, I, I agree. I mean, this was a solid movie all the way around. And the fact is you could 
take all the costumes off everybody and just make it the spy. And for a while they did. They just had Steve running around <laughs> yeah. downtown with a shield. And just make it like a spy action thriller mm-hmm. and it, it worked. It was a good movie that just happened to layer on the comic book side of things as well. I liked the uniforms and the outfits and stuff were good, like Cap's outfit. And then the, the fact that he goes back to the original mm-hmm. towards the end was nice. Falcon. Yeah. That I was, you know, the trailers and the, the, the set stills. I was like, that's looking questionable. But when the costume was in play and then having him fly around, it looked uh, a lot better to me than it did in, yeah. the, in the stills and in the trailers. I think Falcon stole this movie in a lot of spots. You know, uh, he and Natasha both contributed as much or more mm-hmm. to a Captain America movie than actually Captain America did. Which was kind of cool to see, too, because you got the cap, no doubt, was kicking ass, mm-hmm. right? Throughout the entire movie, he was just... Oh, the, fir- the pre-credit scene. Yes. That, that, is the, that is a Captain America comic. He's using the shield as yes. a weapon. He's kicking ass. He goes and takes down GSP. He's it's, doing geometry. It is, you know, he's... <laughs> It was, that was the Captain America comic. And, you know, it's, they kind of gave a little shout out to that in the first movie, throwing a shield and bouncing it off the hydro tanks. But this was full on, you know, this is my shield and this is what I do with it. And, yeah. You know, that first fight scene, especially, that was really good. Yeah. But they did a good job of like him being able to do all that, but then showing him still needing Natasha and Falcon, <laughs> you know, so the Black Widow and Falcon and stuff, they having that, that team with him. I think they did a good mix of that. But yeah, that opening scene was insane on the boat was just insane. Like the way that they showed how powerful he was. Yes. was just crazy. <laughs> yeah. There's no, there's no chance. It's like, <laughs> you know, showboating, you know, it was, uh, Hey, it's bing. You know? <laughs> no, yeah, I know. Kick <laughs> flying way over the rail. <laughs> Throwing the shield and denting the boat and, you know, yeah, no, it was, it was excellent. Now, what did you think of them or their take on Batrock? I thought it was excellent. Yeah. I mean, he, I mean, I like GSP. So when he was cast, I was like, okay, that's excellent. And as Batrock, well, good. Maybe we'll get a well choreographed yeah. fight here. And we did. GSP's apparently put on a little bit of weight. I don't think that was all costume since he retired. <laughs> But still, that was a great fight, and I, I think took a little bit of liberty in some of their <laughs> translations of French to the subs. Uh, some of those words were not what they said. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think JSP was a good cast in that that fight as Batrock. Because Batrock is he's one of those villains that's kind of in vogue right now, but he's um he's never been huge, right? Because in in the comics, he's a lot more flamboyant right. and colorful. I mean, his costume. Mm-hmm. He's not stealth Batrock. <laughs> well, no, he was he was totally like he's not tactical Batrock. Well, especially when they first first introduced him, he was so it was it was so stereotypical. It was it was a stereotype. It really and Batrock the leaper. Yeah, it was just ridic- <laughs> the leper. No, the leaper. Yeah, it was ridiculous. So to have that kind of badass version of him on the screen yeah. was kind of cool and it was it was a, a great fight which apparently between the last movie and and the avengers and this captain america captain america somewhere along got downloaded you know ninjutsu and karate well, you know after watching everybody else kick ass in the avengers and him just standing there with his shield you know <laughs> apparently, i'm sure he went to the shield uh training facility uh, apparently that was on his list yes learn <laughs> 
capoeira. <laughs> Krav Maga. Yeah. Jiu-jitsu. <laughs> but it was a it was a great fight scene. In some ways, it was too bad that was kind of so short. That piece of that him and Batrock. But that was a great primer. Well, you know I, yeah. that you know that's the two minutes before the credits in any TV show. That's you know that's the splash page fight in the middle of the comic book that set the tone. Now now we have modern Steve Rogers. He's not the World War Two in his first adventure. He has integrated a little bit. He right. has modernized a little bit, and he has learned more than. And he is disgruntled <laughs> yes, a lot. Yes. And just, uh, well, that's the other thing. You know, this lays down the groundwork for the rest of the movie. He didn't know Romanov had a secondary mission. Right. And he, he doesn't like that a shield boat has, you know, a la predator wandered onto the wrong side of the border. You know, he doesn't like this. And, uh, you know, that's, that's an argument that causes distraction, mm-hmm. uh, there during that first bit. Yeah. No. Yeah. I forgot. Yeah. That's right. It causes a distraction and Batrock actually gets away. So we can see him. Potentially later. <laughs> yeah, no, that was, that was great. And yeah, it was the whole, I mean, N- Natasha's whole thing with him too. It's like, uh, you know, that nice joking kind of relationship, but was basically like, yeah, you know, I'm here to look for a fossil and, and why aren't you dating? And, yeah. you know, in between, I mean, just kind of ridiculous conversation to be having like at a, you know, at, uh, on a mission or whatever, mm-hmm. but it was still there on your left. Yep. But then her, Having that, like you said, that secondary mission and him just getting so upset and she's just basically this, you know, welcome to the world you live in now mm-hmm. kind of thing. And, you know, and we also get to see her as the movie progresses going and, and he gets to turn that phrase back around on her, right? Welcome to the world you live in mm-hmm. kind of deal. I, that's not the exact phrase, but I mean, it's, it's something similar, but it was basically like, you know, she got to the realization herself that, you know, I left the KGB. I thought I was coming to work for the good guys. Yeah. And I'm not, you know, spoiler. <laughs> so Falcon, I, there are so many times he stole the show. He, I mean, between just how he was on screen and like his one liners and stuff, I would not be upset to see a Falcon style movie. Well, at some point, all the Avengers contracts are going to run out and their Marvel's not going to pay them. <laughs> so I assume that he's going to be lined up for wave two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm. I'm fully on for a Black Widow movie now, too. Well, that's not going to happen for a while. I know. But I think she did. They gave her a lot more room to work in this movie, and she pulled it off. I mean, she she carried carried that weight. She wasn't just a, you know, a butt pose in the background. <laughs> now I'm just working to get this extra file here with my tits. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I, I thought that was good. Well, Robert Redford. I think he did an amazing job, ended up being, you know, the, the big bad mm-hmm. in this movie because of the way he played it. And it was, I'm not doing anything bad. He fully believed in what he was doing. And it's that, it was that commitment of this is right for the world, my right. And so he never came off as, you know, not, you know, mustache twirling, <laughs> you know, I want to end it all. It was, no, I, we, we're, you know, we're fighting on this it's for the, the same thing. world. Yeah. yeah. So it's, um, a lot of people were positing and complaining before the movie that there was going to be the face mask reveal mm. and Redford was going to turn out to be Red, Red Skull. Skull. Yeah. And, a lot of people were like, after movie, they were like, relief, didn't do it. I'm like, well, just because they didn't yeah. doesn't mean he's not. 
because they gave you crossbones too. Yep. Brock, you know, the, the sidekick, Brock Lumlow, he has his little crossbones moment. Mm-hmm. And in the books, he does end up working for German Red Skull, uh, for a while and Arnim Zola. Well, working with Arnim Zola. So there's a couple, three, a triangle here of potentially getting the Red Skull back and having Redford reprise his role as Pierce. Mm-hmm. And that, well, that I think was my favorite part of the movie. The, the entire ammo bunker <laughs> full of punch cards and reel to reel tapes and giant green monitors. Yep. All that whole building just to house Zola. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was interesting, but it was also, it was a little ridiculous too. Well, it, but it wasn't given the time that that bunker would have been built, you know? No, I know. I, I, I just meant it as a generalized concept. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, it was, it was, it was kind of, but you're, I mean, it, for one, it kind of takes us back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, yeah, it is kind of every day. I mean, you know, they walk in with the little flash drive and there actually is, you know, somebody's been There's in a there. USB hub yeah. there plugged into the mainframe. You <laughs> <Yeah. know? laughs> Tapes spin up. And- <laughs> Like, shouldn't that conversation been more like, and eh, now <laughs> yeah, really. you will by the end die. of that conversation, <laughs> those two would have had to have been naked because <laughs> I didn't see any kind of AC work in there. So all that machine just spinning up all at once was going to generate a whole lot of heat. But so, the, the best part of that though was they blow up the bunker, mm-hmm. but I assume somewhere in the intervening 40 years, Zola figured out DARPA. And is now off somewhere because he eventually just turns into a head and a stomach. Right. You know, he's got his head in, in, in his various bots. So he's not gone. No. You know, so that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Was, I mean, a lot of, there were some people that were like, are uh, under the impression that he's just gone. Well, that was dumb. They just had him and he's gone. It's like, no, he's, he's not gone. There's just one, it's a comic book movie Two, yeah. follow the, the line of, you know, progression here. It's, he knows everything. He's obviously, uh, I mean, unless somebody's like going in there and updating his files personally, the stuff he knew mm-hmm. he had to get from somewhere because he knew about Steve Rogers. He knew about Natasha and, and, and stuff like that. The best part of that is when they shoot the big monitor. Yeah. And just the, the secondary monitor just comes on and he's still there talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see what else we get. We get, uh, we got some cool little kind of. Easter eggy kind of things. We get to hear Stephen Strange's name, mm-hmm. uh, as a threat. Uh, who else did they, they talked about some valedictorian also while they were talking about that list when he was saying that list. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember. Um, God, who was that supposed to be? I don't remember now. Well, they went through a couple of the other Avengers and right. I, I'm waiting for the DVD to come. Well, I'm sure somebody has a screenshot of it, but I was waiting for a. The target acquisition screen to come out so you yeah. could see all the names. Or there's like a mercenary in Cairo, mm-hmm. some valedictorian, Stephen Strange and Bruce Banner. Those are the ones I remember. Mm-hmm. I just can't remember who they're all supposed to be <laughs> other than, you know, Stephen Strange. Stephen Strange. So that was one thing I had to tell Megan. She didn't know who Stephen Strange or why that was important. So I told her about that and then kind of filled her in on some of the other stuff that was going on with like the Netflix stuff and how that was getting called defenders with no Stephen strange anywhere near it. Oh, <laughs> did you, uh, did you, <laughs> did you see when Robert Redford, uh, opened his fridge? Yes. Uh, when the winter soldier was there, when Bucky was there, Newman's dressing. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> 
Well, we haven't talked about that. What did you think of uh, the Winter Soldier and how they how they pulled that? Origin issues aside, I thought it was very well done. You know, they kind of glossed over the whole Soviet side. Mm-hmm. So his Red Star didn't really make much sense in terms of what he was supposed to be in the books. Right. They just kind of went straight to Hydra indoctrina- indoctrination. And that's fine because a lot of that is what happened just with the Soviets. It drew heavily on, on, on the Brubaker stories, which I really liked. And having the same actor come back and do all that and having the slow reveal, you know, just the shaggy hair and the mask, you know, we knew, you know, but right. obviously Steve doesn't. And then, you know, catching the shield, showing the arm and the arm looked great. You know, in the book, mm-hmm. it's just very much the, just Colossus, you know, right. but this seeing the plates actuate as he's trying, you know, kicking up his strength a notch and stuff like that, trying to keep, keep the arm going and, you know, so he can do stuff. I th- think the arm visually looked really, really good. And the character itself, I think was introduced well, especially right, you know, right up to the point. Cause I, I knew Pierce was going to be the bad guy mm-hmm. because, cause he was, but then at that point where, where he's sitting in, in the dark in the kitchen right. and you're like, was I wrong? Is he gonna? <laughs> and then the maid comes back, yeah. <laughs> and all is confirmed. Oh, I wish you'd called Pop. <laughs> yeah. I thought they did a good job with him overall. The Winter Soldier and, and the introduction, and uh, uh, it was—I mean, he just was like a silent badass right from the mm-hmm. beginning, kind of thing. And uh, and and you—we didn't get any insight to him until much later in the movie, which actually worked really well. And I'm glad they didn't do a let cap figure it out early. I I liked that he was in on the reveal Mm -hmm. and and stuff like, like, you know, like you said, we knew, but it was cool to kind of see it hit captain America. And and when it, when it finally was revealed to him and then, uh, yeah, I mean, he just, he was just like, uh, just like a machine. I mean, he, 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 you know, he had that whole Hydra brainstorm or, uh, brainwashing, brainwashing mm-hmm. thing going on where he was just so laser focused until a couple glitches with, you know, Steve, but he was just like that damn frisbee bomb that he put yeah, under, yeah. <laughs> under the well, car. Well, that car chase was amazing. Car chase was excellent. All aspects of that, starting off with, do you want to see my papers? You know, yeah. the black dude in the Escalade kind of thing. Do you want to see, you know, the implied racism there? And then the car chase, you know, what's working? The air conditioning is yeah. working, you know, and trying to go back to, they've seen it in Agents of Shields, but then the shield, the hover cars, you know, activate the VTOL, can't. And then the battering ram against the window, yep. you know, that, you know, that was just a whole, that was awesome. That was a great, great scene from start to finish you're right it was just i mean that ranks up there like with bullet for me for for car chases you know <laughs> steve mcqueen and sam jackson <laughs> but it ends with nick fury dying or does it <laughs> <laughs> so yeah we get the uh nick fury is supposedly dead and what did you think of uh the hologram council meetings clearly technology has advanced because i've been on telepresence meetings and they don't go that smoothly i I need that kind of money (laughs) my point is that is what would happen there would be just some dude sitting there with a finger you know (laughs) not speaking i thought it was cool you know it's that concept is being seen more and more these days that uh that type of remote meeting and and kind Mm -hmm. of sci-fi and fantasy thing so it seemed i don't know 
the setup itself that the supposed technical setup with the grid or whatever that was around the chairs mm-hmm. seemed unique and kind of counterintuitive. I don't know why you'd want to have rear projection if you can do full on holographic <laughs> imaging, but you know, whatever. It was interesting. Yeah. I thought it harkened back to, uh, I guess it was Avengers when, uh, Fury's having that conversation yeah, yeah. with, uh, about, uh, yeah, but that was more on screen, wasn't it? Like yeah. they were on screens or mm-hmm. whatever. And this was just, I don't know. It just felt, it, it's kind of dumb because we're talking about a comic book movie, but we're also talking about a comic book movie that's potentially set in now. Now. Mm-hmm. So it was like, you know, it was like, I'll believe Iron Man, <laughs> but you but can't not, tell me that video conferencing, that, that no. hologram video conferencing is real. Come on. Especially wireless. <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, the best part about that, well, well, actually not that, but I guess when you, you talk about going back to other movies, or I said that, was um Gary Shandling. Cause that he, bothered. I, I didn't like that at all. But it totally goes back to the awesomeness, <laughs> air quotes, <laughs> of Iron Man 2. Because if he's an agent of Hydra, he was an agent of Hydra then, too. Yeah. So that kind of gives deeper meaning to <laughs> Like anything. Well, I, I shouldn't say that. I don't know the dude, but I guess I didn't, I didn't think about that. Yeah. He was in the Iron Man movies. Yeah. He was on the yeah. committee trying to get him to give up the Iron Man. That's armor. right. That's right. Yeah. So yeah, that totally. Now I like that a little bit better. <laughs> I, well, I just, it was, I just, thought that whole scene was hilarious. Yeah, just, I just, I, my I, back is killing me. Yeah. I just didn't, I didn't care for that particular insert of comedy or whatever. I mean, it was just, you know, just the, oh, you know, and the hookers and blah, 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 blah. Hellhydra. <laughs> yeah, there was a little bit too much, to my mind, a little too much uh, homoeroticism going on <laughs> with the whole Hail Hydra thing. Keep in mind, they did evolve out of the superior white race. <laughs> <laughs> you know, homosexuality, not big in their playbook. So, you know, I understand the need to keep it all on the down low. Yeah. I don't see a lot of hugging in the Hydra organization. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's definitely a modern day Hydra. <laughs> it, I, Not that there's anything wrong with that, no, but you will be purged when no, we win. They've, they've reprinted all the pamphlets. <laughs> Hydra is an equal opportunity employment. <laughs> like, uh, Everybody will go through. What can we do to increase recruitment numbers? <laughs> well, you know, there are those gays we've been keeping out. <laughs> well, okay. I'll, I'll do that, but. Still, we got to be white. <laughs> and that dude was on the bubble, the dude on the ship. And but anyway, no, he. I mean, I thought that was a funny scene, I, and I thought it was a good lead up to the the reveal that it was ongoing Hydra, and that Hydra had not just infiltrated Shield, but the government as a whole. So let me ask you this, and this is kind of it's it's not specifically Winter Soldier, but we've talked about how the tie-in does. Is anything in this and what people are saying? make you want to give shield another shot no it's piling up on my dvr i eh, no because i like i heard one dude say it's like the entire like the first 14 apps were just filler to get to the captain america movie and then real shield happened right well that's bullshit dude that's if that was their plan from the outset then i mean that's just disney swinging its dick around and saying we don't care we know you're going to watch it, so we're just going to put out 13 eps of crap before the Captain America movie. Yeah. Here's my question for you, though, because we have had this conversation in the past. 
and I'm with you because obviously like when we moved and got the new DVR, that was Megan's green light to never watch it again. <laughs> and so we, I haven't seen it since we moved, but you and I have also made just to play devil's advocate a little bit here. You, you and I have also made the, uh, reference to watching Babylon five as long as you can get past the first season. It gets good. So is, is that. Could that potentially not be so much different than this? I mean, well, you see, the could thing we say is, as long as you, could we potentially have to say as long as you can get past the first season of Shield, it'll get good? It can't get worse. My concern <laughs> is, as I said, this can be their bridge, but apparently it's not just their bridge between movies. It's a movie valid storytelling point. Mm-hmm. This takes off right after the carriers crash into the Triskelion. It goes from there. Shield is corrupt. We're having revelations as far as I know. The only people we know are good, as far as I know, are Coulson's team. And they're rooting out the corruption. A direct continuation coming out of a movie. My concern is, what are they going to do in the next series of movies, especially coming up to Avengers 3, that's going to lead into that movie to require you to watch it? Here's another question for you. What do you think of... do Do you think it was brave of them? Being a, a weekly show and knowing that there are, especially Marvel, well, if they're Marvel fans, they probably already say it, but knowing there are potentially people that haven't seen the movie yet, but they went straight into right after the movie into the episode that tied into the movie, which kind of spoiled, that was could potentially lowest, spoil. That was their lowest ratings of the season. Because people were waiting. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, but what do you think of that overall? That I, that idea of that. I mean, that's one of the potential pitfalls of being so closely tied to movies, don't you think? I mean, in, in one end, it's kind of, it can be potentially kind of cool to have this ongoing universe, right? I mean, you just got done, you got to see this really great movie, you're pumped, and now you get to kind of see the fallout from that. It's, it's almost like webisodes in a way, mm-hmm. but webisodes, you usually have to kind of seek out. This is, you know, if you're DVR to you right there. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, I, I don't think it's brave. I think it was planned and I think it was arrogance. I kind of do like <laughs> the, I, I do believe the, the, I forget which podcast I was listening to where the dude posited this, but yeah, I, I do agree that it was 13 ups of crap just to get to the Captain America arc because they own the station. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's all one company and this is clear. This tells me that clearly Agents of Shield is going to be, their between movie story driving force. They had a couple post movie tie ins a little bit later, you know, Thor and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, the Cree thing with Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, going forward. And then they've had this. And this says in no uncertain terms, we're wrapping our TV show in our, in our movies, in our movies, in our TV show. And given that it's a show that I don't want to watch, I think that sucks. Yeah. But I mean, it's not like, it's been the other way, right? It's like the movie affects the show. Mm-hmm. I don't think we've at least yet seen where you will be watching a movie and go, well, when did that happen kind of thing? And I don't think that will ever really happen. Viral marketing. There is that stupid J.J. Abrams movie about the monster that you never see in New York. Cloverfield. Yeah. So much of that would have made more sense to people if they'd watched all the fake advertising about the Japanese company doing their deep sea drilling or whatever it was and the fake commercials and all that stuff, because it, that told you what caused Cloverfield to happen. So 
Okay, and I, you know, my opinion on Abrams, so that's a low bar. But given that you can do that just with web commercials and stuff like that, I don't see why ABCD wouldn't do that in their TV show because it's their vehicle for their universe. I think they could treat it like that. All right. Well, you're kind of getting off a little bit, but those are a couple of things. Hey, hey, hey. hey. (laughs) Those are a couple of things that kind of came to mind especially you know we've we've been very opinionated about marvel agents of shield and just want to play the other side a little bit for for what this can potentially be and you and i have kind of had the conversation online as well certain individuals but (laughs) yeah it was a low bar to set to begin with as far as we're concerned and and yeah of course it got better it had nowhere else to go i don't i mean you could put 30 minutes of silence on and maybe maybe that'd be a little bit worse <laughs> if i did mute it didn't have to listen to them talk it would get better well yeah you might have to i mean amy acker's coming on so mute then and if we could have some kind of acker simmons moment <laughs> ah, here we go <laughs> all right so uh yeah we're so back to the movie <laughs> kind of going along here our end result is, i mean you know we Robert Redford is our bad guy and Steve is disgruntled with everything because he's finding out left and right. He doesn't know there's a, that big reveal that Hydra's completely infiltrated shield. You know, where do you think we've been? We've been right here and building within the organization kind of thing, which was a cool, I think that was a pretty cool thing to kind of. And it does harken back to the Avengers, the big reveal that shield was stockpiling the Hydra technology to use that. Right. Just in case. Yeah. Well, and then the whole really hard push to potentially not even do the Avengers mm-hmm. uh, was part of the, like the early movie and stuff. So uh, all of that to like not have the Avengers even be brought together and trying to hold Fury accountable for things that happened and, and stuff like that. So all of that kind of starts to roll along and play in. So we got Steve that's just like, if we're doing this, it all goes down. And this is like once he finds out that Nick Fury is still alive and again, more cloak and dagger that Steve didn't really want to deal with. Well, see, no, that starts before for me anyways, when he goes to see after the mission where he goes to see Carter and she says she's the only person he can trust. And she's got Alzheimer's and is like 80 80 degrees, 80 years old (laughs) in a hospital bed and going back to a little bit to the man out of time. But showing that the only person he can trust is from his generation. They didn't go quite out and hit you in the head with the hammer of the greatest generation, but showing that the only person that he can trust is the person that in theory had the same morals and values instilled upon him them because they're from his era. He can trust her because he knows her because they came up together. You brought, was that not amazing scene too? It was. It was I mean, just absolutely like heartbreaking and, yeah the way it ended yeah. you having that whole lucid conversation and then she just turns her head for a second and then comes back and it's like totally takes that scene a whole different way than i thought it was gonna go i thought it was just gonna be the bridge moment and coming to terms but no it's more than that it's not only is he stuck in the future the only person he knows is gone yeah yeah or he's in a he's in a time loop as well potentially because every time he goes out there maybe she starts maybe she starts off that way and mm-hmm. they start to have a conversation and then 
Yeah. Yeah. It was, I didn't get the impression this was the first time they, right. they'd had this conversation. So yeah, that was, that was a great scene. Absolutely. I mean, again, in, in an overall movie that, you know, had the, the spy and action and superheroes and just this little quiet scene was done so well and was just a, a beautiful scene. And a, a, again, overall, I mean, my, and if that's my biggest complaint, then so be it. But my biggest problem was that little shandling moment. I, it just was a little bit off to me, but otherwise, I mean, overall, I, I don't have a lot that I disliked about this movie in any way, shape or form. Going into it, I wasn't keen that, what's her name? The chick that played Agent Carter, Young Carter. Oh, um, yeah. Cause I don't like her. The chick from Revenge. <laughs> See, I don't Revenge 80. Well, I don't watch it either, but that's all I know her. Cause there's at least two right. commercials for that during Arrow every week, <laughs> but she did much better than I was expecting and laid out the potential for the romance with her. Yeah. Um, now that she's revealed to be his watcher. Yeah. Agent 13 or whatever. Which I'm like, you do know who he is, right? So who's protecting who? <laughs> yeah. The only problem I kind of have with that, and maybe if there's something in the comics that explains it better, cause it's been so long. I mean, I didn't, I wasn't a big Captain America follower the whole, I mean, I read it off and on, but the fact that she's the niece of Peggy. How does he not know who she is? All right. Like, you know, she's in the apartment building as his neighbor. Yeah, but she was undercover. I don't think she was revealed as Carter until after the fall of the Triskelion. Right. But I'm talking about as far as him coming. I mean, I, I guess. I mean, him coming back from and, and being reintroduced into the world and him finding out about Peggy and spending time with Peggy. And, and if she's been that way the whole time, okay, she's, she might talk about her niece from time to time, but maybe she, he hasn't met her. But you would think like there'd be pictures there or something. Cause I mean, they were on the phone together at one point, mm-hmm. like our first introduction to her when she's doing the laundry thing and talking to her. She says she's talking to her aunt. Mm-hmm. I just little things like I was like, well, how does he not know about her in some form or fashion? You know, again, like pictures and, and, and something. Cause apparently they, I mean, she's close. Well, that's not, that's not the inconsistency that bothered me. The inconsistency that bothered me was. When he takes all the, when Robert Redford takes all the members of the council hostage mm-hmm. and he gives them their tags for security clearance in Triskelion. Right. This will get you anywhere you need to be. And Telegraphing. Then it, well, no, not even that. Well, no, but it was. It, well, it was. Yes. Like, <laughs> duh. Don't you know he's evil? He said, he then later on says, no, this is DNA coded to you now. Well, then it should have twigged that that was Did not. Did he say that? Yeah, he, he said, said DNA, it validated I, I remember, you by your DNA. I remember him saying it was the whole place is biometric or yeah, something like Yeah, so that. your DNA, this okay. is coded to your DNA and it'll get you everywhere you need right. to go. Okay, yeah. Well, then it's just, so right. they have no security that that wasn't, to, you know, we assume that you have your DNA, so we're not going to check that to <laughs> to, to reveal that that's not the, yeah. the woman. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that, that was my only little... But you know, yeah, there was a lot of good action here. You know, it was like a two-hour movie, and I didn't didn't feel like it. No, it was well paced, yeah. and I thought if they chose to go that route, there was excellent foreshadowing, both well foreshadowing and remembrance. Because this, you know, there's Bucky with the shield, and he throws it back at Cap. So because and then, but he used the shield in the first movie, but he also gets the shield if they choose to go this route when Steve dies, and he becomes Captain America for a while. And so, you know, a bit of history and future just in that one scene, you know, I really like that. And the fight at the end as the carrier is going down and still Steve refuses to to finish him, helps him out from under the girders. And 
the whole giving Bucky every opportunity to remember himself, but at the same time, never, you know, from a, there's always the visual in this type of situation where, you know, the villain, he loses his cloak or something, mm-hmm. you know, the black jacket is torn off and underneath is the white shirt. They didn't do that. He kept his arm. He kept his winter soldier garb all the way through that fight, right up to the point where he saved Steve himself from the water. They're foreshadowing potentially, if you know the books, him as his own character and possibly as Cap, but never took away that he is now indelibly the Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was good use. When he was trapped, when the the carrier was coming down, did you get a, a I got like such a huge Star Wars vibe off of that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you, I mean, I, it was like, Palpatine, are you all right? <laughs> I, well, I was just thinking they're going, tell your sister you were right. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah, you almost expected the no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was just like it just flashed in my head I'm like what that scene is like I've seen this scene before. <laughs> <laughs> it was cool. I mean, he helps him out and you see the you know, you see Bucky struggling with who am I kind of things and I have a mission and all of that. I mean, you even see when he gets back and and Redford is questioning him and and he has to go through another mind wipe but he's just questioning what his space is who he is how does steve know him yeah and eventually going you know to the smithsonian to to look at that display yeah Yeah. so yeah it was that was that was excellent all the way around we do get the carry we get the the moment you were kind of talking about with redford and and the council people being physically there Mm -hmm. uh and then we get a uh badass fight scene in the council by one of the council women mm-hmm. only to be revealed that she's got like a mesh cyber mask on or whatever. And it's Natasha, mm-hmm. which was a, a pretty cool. That one got a nice reaction in the theater. So, and it was, it was pretty cool to see. And I forget who she is. Who is that? Who was the councilwoman? She's somebody, who is she? I know her. I mean, she's from, yeah. So, keep yelling at us, people. <laughs> This is what good podcasters do. It's a talent. No, I know her. I like her. She's, I mean, she's, she's genre, isn't she? No, she's, she's known in it for her genre site stuff too. Yeah. She's, she's accomplished. Oh, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> Get on your tablet and good night. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that was just an excellent scene before the reveal where you've just got this. Senior citizen chick, you know, just yeah. kicking the crap out of Robert Redford. I mean, <laughs> and everybody else in the room. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> yeah. That was just, well, great. that, you know, that takes you back to the crossbones too, though. Cause he comes up and he's, he's supposed to be putting the finishing touches on, on everybody. And, you know, then he gets blown up and, you know, then he pulls off his jacket and his tack harness is the X. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't white, but it's still the X. The, uh, you know, that's his, his costume symbol. So. Right. You know, another interesting scene that could have gone horribly, horribly wrong. In fact, it could have reminded me of the uh, Jack Reacher bathroom scene, if done wrong. <laughs> the um, elevator scene was right, excellent. The elevator scene. Again, that could have gone so horribly wrong. That could have looked so bad. And it was just an amazing close quarters, just intense scene with, you know, tasers and <laughs> well you know as, as he twigs as and people are big people are getting on every level as he goes down <laughs> and then you know it's like before we get started 
does anybody want to get off the elevator? (laughs) (laughs) That was a great scene. But yeah, that had so much potential to go wrong, (laughs) but it didn't. It was just well executed all Mm -hmm. the way around. Like I said, I don't have a lot to complain about in this movie. This is probably, I, this has got to be close. If, if not my favorite of the, uh, Avengers, Mar, you know, the, this side of Marvel. This has got to be right up there for me. I think it's definitely superior to the first, mm-hmm. and I did like it a lot more than Thor two. Yeah, I, I, I might even put it up against Avengers. I might put it ahead of Avengers at this point. Mm, I don't know that I would go that far, mm-hmm. but certainly it is <laughs> for the standalone characters. I think it, for me, it's right up there with Iron Man one. Yeah, yeah, that's a good call. All right, so anything else you want to make sure we get to? Uh, the two credit reveals, right? I thought it was yeah. awesome. You know, they already announced who was going to be Strucker, but then to see him with the the big ass monocle, and you know, then seeing Scarlet Witch and uh, Vision, um, not Vision, Quicksilver. Quicksilver yeah, so I had to explain to Megan, yeah. and then I had to explain why she's she's also seen Quicksilver in the <laughs> X Men movies. And then uh, what was Is the other it, one? I, I, I actually, I actually kind of pissed her off the first time because she's like, who was that? I'm like, the twins, didn't you listen? <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't until we were like out in the car that I explained to her. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it was well paced start to finish. There was no, there was enough humor to break things up. There was a, definitely enough action to, to keep things going, even when it was, slow action time mm-hmm. and then the whole i'm glad they didn't cop out and have fury be a life model decoy you know <laughs> i mean that's cool for comics and it was great banter or, about, was or that, the what, tahiti tie-in yeah yeah i was waiting for that i was waiting, I was for, waiting for the tahiti tie-in but i think the whole change from uh you know the high, shiny happy avengers verse to cap realizing that it's a corrupt world you know it doesn't matter where you are and you know Black Widow saying the same thing and even gi- giving Sam Jackson that air with the secret mission for Natasha. Mm-hmm. Possibly he's involved with it. What's going on? Why is he playing sides now? And it could have just been the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back, but it wasn't when he forgoes the modern uniform and goes back to the World War II uniform for the remainder of the movie. It's like good visual point. He's making a point. Hopefully mm-hmm. the audience is understanding the point he's making because they didn't do any exposition about what this means to him. You're just left there to understand that that is what he views as the pure time. But the soldier from World War One is going to look at the soldier from World War Two or Vietnam and say, you know, the same thing. So, but, you know, I thought that was just a good, simple change to show that he has made his decision about even though he's not there anymore, this is what he views as the real world. You know what? I One thing that I kind of liked about this movie as far as a superhero style movie was that Evans did spend some time in the mask, mm-hmm. a, a fair amount of time. I mean, he, he went without it as well, which is actually the one character that it makes sense for to potentially not have the mask is Captain America, right? Steve, Rogers. everybody knows who Steve Rogers yeah, is. His history is revealed. There's, yeah. but it was kind of cool in that he, he did that because that is one of the issues you kind of get into sometimes with the superhero movies is like, well, I'm a name or the studio's like, that's a name. So let's not cover up the name. Mm-hmm. So they're not willing to go that whole route, the whole, the, the full superhero route and, you know, with the whole mask and everything else. So it was kind of cool to see him 
kind of spend some extra time in that mask where the studio could have said, well, no. And it, and it would have made sense to us, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would have been fine with it in this particular instance. But it was just it's a minor thing. But I thought that was kind of cool. All right. So, yeah, we saw we saw the Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver. Scarlet Witch is batshit crazy. <laughs> and uh, but there is they're doing something really kind of in, weird with Quicksilver. Interesting. I mean, different. It was, was he hulking, hulking up out. or something? Yeah. yeah. Is, well, they can't, they, he can't be, they can't be Magneto's children. Right. So they right, have right. to be, well, they were like up, the gifted or something. Like yeah. That they they're called go- them or something. Yeah. They're going to have to be either a tie into the inhumans or a Hydra experiment or something. Right. Strucker's had them for who knows how long. Did he grow them? Mm-hmm. Did they fall out of time too? Like everybody else from World War II <laughs> that is still alive in 2013 <laughs> yeah. and 14, you know? So yeah, it's, uh, I'm interested to see. Yeah. Cause in, in, in X-Men, they're, I assume they're, they're going to be Magneto's children and it's going to be straight line mutants. However, they come off as the good guys or the bad guys or, or what role they're going to play. Who knows? I don't know if they're going to be Magneto's children though. Cause didn't they, they have the one scene in the trailer where it makes it look like they go to Quicksilver and Magneto is. You know, his, his younger self, but he's around. It's like, so it's, it, it, they're a little too close to age. Yeah. But we don't know where in the time travel story that's taking right. place. That's true. But yeah, I, I'm just, I'm not quite sure we're going to get them revealed as Magneto's children. And yeah, maybe we won't. That one. But yeah, I'm definitely more interested to see what they're doing with, with these two in the, in the Marvel verse rather than the Fox verse. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see their, their take on it. Cause yeah, it was just like, They've got something interesting going on with Quicksilver. It'd be interesting to see how they've kind of tweaked his powers a bit to to get the bulk up factor or mm-hmm. whatever. Or is it just because he's in such a confined space and he can't let off the extra energy or something? Yeah, or could be. yeah, it's his it's, hair. Did you see the Hardee's commercial? <laughs> no. Oh, well, there's a Hardee's commercial with Quicksilver, and uh, his hair looks stupid, <laughs> but. Yeah, his, he's like eating a bacon burger or something and a piece of bacon falls out. So then he like starts to super fast eat and it's, you know, it's this kind, it's the standard super speed stuff where it's like, you know, you know, and then like two bites of the burger are gone. And all the while they're cutting from him eating down to this piece of bacon that's <laughs> dropping. So he eats the whole burger, runs over to a set dude, takes his drink, drinks it, runs back and then gets the bacon before it hits the floor and finishes off the burger. <laughs> all right. There's some weird tie-ins with the movies here recently for commercial-wise. Well, I'm not sure if that was supposed to be Avengers. I assume it's X-Men. Yeah, well, I would assume but, it's X-Men um, too because they've done the Mystique one. Yeah, yeah. but the uh, supposedly there's a, an X-Men tie-in at the end of Spider-Man. Yes. yes and yes. apparently that's because they let... Uh, Weber. Yeah, defer his work with Fox, but... On the condition that they get free advertising, yeah. right? It was like, yeah, it was like a pro bono type thing. <laughs> you know, you touched on it, but like the very last credit cut scene is Bucky Barnes, you know, with the Winter Soldier kind of in disguise mm-hmm. going through the mu- museum that we've seen throughout the movie, uh, and kind of staring at himself and learning his own history, um, uh, kind of thing. Cool. But I don't know if that's what I wanted for the end cut scene. Yeah, it seemed a bit of a letdown compared to some of the other. Even the mid cut scene. Yeah. It was a letdown from the, even the, going from that, that cool mid cut scene. I would have preferred they if, flip them. Mm-hmm. If you flipped them, I think that would have been a better order. 
to leave the movie on. I think it was, but it was their attempt to bookend the Smithsonian though. The movie kind of started with Cap going to the Smithsonian and then with Winter Soldier Bucky going to the Smithsonian. All right. Well, that was our coverage of Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Spoiler filled and tangent filled. Uh, hopefully that is something. If, if this is something that you've enjoyed, if you'd like us to continue doing stuff like this, please let us know. Podcast at allusgeeks.com or just go ahead and comment on the actual episode. And, uh, we want to hear you. We want to know what you think. Game review. We are going to be taking a look at Angels Michael's War. From ANSR Entertainment. This will be coming to Kickstarter, I believe, in early May. And Angels, Michael's War is a two to four player game. Plays in about 15 minutes. And basically, uh, you take on the role of various angels trying to defeat demons. So, uh, what do you get in the game? It's, it's a card game. It's a light card game. So you, of course you get a bunch of cards. We've got the, actually, I'm trying to remember, uh, he told me originally these were extra set card or expansion cards. And I think they've rearranged it so that it's all going to be part of it. So the full thing is going to be it. So there, there are actually sets for these cards and I believe they have expansions planned expansion sets planned to be able to add to the deck and uh originally we had some that were supposed to be part of like the first add-on i don't know if it's add-on or stretch goal expansion but i believe starting out it's all going to come together so you get two decks of cards one's the divine deck which is where you'll be drawing from to collect your angels that will be trying to defeat the demons which the demons come out of the infernal deck setup on this is pretty easy you shuffle up your infernal deck shuffle up your divine deck the infernal deck will go out in front of all players and the first three will be flipped over and shown and then everybody will get four cards to start with from the divine deck and then your turn goes you draw a card and then you look at the three infernal uh cards the demon cards that are out in front of you when it's your turn and you can potentially defeat as many of those demons as you can from your hand. How do you defeat demons? Well, they have symbols on the bottom of them. Uh, the symbols are love, hope, and faith. Uh, so each symbol represents something. So it's like a cross, a candle, and a heart. And, uh, they'll have a, some combination of one to usually three. Uh, symbols on the bottom of the card and then your angel cards will have symbols on them and you take uh, your angel cards and try to match the symbols for all, for uh, every demon that you can match all the symbols to from one to however many cards you need to do it you will score and basically defeat and slash score that demon and you can do all three if you have the cards to do that so you can defeat all three demons if you have enough cards in your hand to defeat all three demons there's no splitting a card uh so you know if you if you have a card that has a candle and a cross on it and you don't need a candle on one demon but you need a candle on the other demon you got to decide wh where you're playing that card so when you score off the cards 
Uh, you basically take the demon and the angels that you have played to defeat that demon, put them face down in your score pile, all the cards together. And there is one other type of card in the infernal deck called a major victory card. And these are purple background cards. So they stand out when they come out. Uh, the in- regular infernal ones are red. When those come out, if you score one of those, you keep it face up in front of you because the end condition is if one of the decks runs out, the game will end uh, at the end of the round. So everybody gets at least one full turn or when the three victory cards have been scored. So those stay face up so you can keep that three count. When one of those scored, everybody gets whatever their final final turn if they haven't taken one to complete out the round. Let's see. So you'll score, you'll defeat and score or score off all the demons you can. Once you're done with that, you'll refill the three spots and you'll turn your turn over to the next player. And then, like I said, that keeps going until either one of the decks runs out or three of the major victory cards, the purple cards are scored. Once that's done, you basically look at your cards and you add up the points on them. There are some cards that will manipulate the point total. Like there's a card, was it the Angel of Pyre? Was that the name of it? Right? It's, it yeah. starts off negative three. Yeah, and then there's also the redemption or something. Like that. Yeah, there's a redemption one cards. for each, and then yeah, the angel of the pyre that starts out negative three, but then it gets like one for every demon or five for every demon. It gets a plus one for every demon in your score pile, right. so you can build that. So you build that up past the the negative three and beyond, hopefully, uh, by having more demons in your score pile. Uh, and then the redemption cards are, they score plus one for every other redemption card, every redemption card in your score pile. Other than that, there's some, there's, there's some minor special abilities on some of the cards. Like there's the, uh, single card, which if it's the only card in your hand, I forgot exactly, single form or single. If it starts off, if your turn starts, starts and that's the only card in your hand, it gets extra symbols. And then there's, some of the angels have human form, which some of the demons have can us. only only be defeated by angels of human form. Yep. And then there's some stuff that we didn't get to play with, like the light and dark cards that were in the expansion-y type stuff that I guess is potentially now coming with it. But that's the base of the game. I mean, you you play like that again. Your turn is draw a card, defeat as many demons as you can, refill the demon pile, and uh, turn it over to the next player and keep going until. Three three major victory cards, or uh, one of the oh, two the piles runs out. So, components. Well, again, it's a, a card game, so components are pretty much cards. You know, you've got your victory point totals on the bottom of the card, so there's nothing here for, like, you don't need a score tracker. You don't need any of that kind of stuff. So you get your set of cards, and it is a self-contained game. And you get a score, sh- I mean, a rule sheet, which at the moment, uh, is a two page, you know, our single sheet front and back set of rules. This is a prototype. So some things can potentially change. I don't know what the plan is for the rule book or anything like that, but, uh, again, not much needed here. It's just a, a, a fairly light game. So it's got the two sets of cards. Uh, what do you think of the components overall? You know, if the final product is this quality of cardboard, I, I think it's okay. There's nothing here that's making me think you're going to need to run out and sleeve them right away or anything like that. The color seems fast. Decent thickness. They weren't floppy, uh, nor were they difficult to pick up. But the artwork is 
not at all to my liking on, on any of the angel cards. Oh, any of the cards, really. It's, uh. Yeah, you're an art snob. I'm not an art snob. <laughs> Fine, I'm an art snob. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, that, that part didn't bother me as much as I know it bothered you, but I've, I've, well, in the we've end, had though, that I, same thing before as well. Where after the first look at the cards, I, I'm not looking at the art anyway. There's verse on there, but the core part of the card is the symbols at the bottom and the symbols are easily recognized and understood. So single handed. Yes. That's what it is. If it's the only one, the lone archer yeah. or whatever that is. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's a bunch of different ones that have it, but yep. Single handed is that keyword. Yeah. I, it's straight up cardboard. Like you said, I mean, it's a, it's a set of cards. There's nothing out of the ordinary about that. It's good quality component again. And you know, I, I believe this one was printed at the game crafter. I don't know. I think, uh, he's staying with the game crafter for manufacturing, but who knows? I mean, it'll depend on the success of the Kickstarter as well. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a card game. So uh, I have no complaints about uh, game crafter cards. I never really have. And the cards fit in the box and they fit in the box. That's always <laughs> there's the no elastic bands. Sea <laughs> geek news. Sea geek news. <laughs> mechanics. All right. What did you think of the mechanics? It's pretty straightforward. There's four steps, and one of them doesn't actually involve cards. That's just notifying your player, your opponents, that you're done. <laughs> the mechanics are very simple. It's, uh, you know, symbol matching. It's Yeah, uh, it's very much symbol pattern matching yeah. kind of stuff. I mean, it's, it's a, like I said at the beginning, it's a, it's a very light game. So the mechanics are extremely light. They're extreme. I mean, they, they work for what this is. But it is a very light and light on mechanics game. There were times I was hoping for more. I was hoping for more the entire game because as you said, as you mentioned, or as you observed as we were playing, it, it, it's in no way an interactive game. It's two to four players or whatever it is, two to five players playing solitaire at the same time. Yeah, it very much felt like multiplayer solitaire to me at the time. There was, you could get up from the table and come back and be like, okay, so you scored off some cards. Because there's, I mean, I understand, well, I'm getting ahead of myself, but I understand it from the theme perspective that there's no, I mean, you and I aren't like battling. Yeah, we're you're, not you're competitive not, angels. Right. We're you're, yeah, co- you're not playing the demons. I'm playing the angels. Uh, anything like that. Where, but there was that whole. All right, you're gonna. Oh, those cards came out on your turn. Oh, look, you got a high point one on your turn. If you can match it, take it. Otherwise, it'll still be there when it's my turn. Kind of thing. It wasn't anything that I could do to stop you. Now again, I don't know what he has planned for the extra expansions that we're not seeing. But in the stuff we have, I mean, if a base game. This is a base game. That's, uh, yeah, but it's neither, you know, like it's neither competitive nor cooperative. Right. Other than points. Well, yeah, <laughs> but that's, that's your, you know, point. That, but, yeah. but you're right. I mean, there's, yeah. There, All right. There's no interaction. You're, I'm not trying to stop you in your turn, nor am I trying to help you on your turn. Right. So. And that's part of the thing. It was, you know, there's nothing that we saw that you can do on an opponent's turn. Just kind of like, Okay, so you're taking that one and that one, and what are you refilling it but with? But that's the 15.1. I, I wanted that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, one of the things I didn't get, and this is what makes me wonder if there's stuff in expansions that we're not quite seeing, is the fact that the victory, the major victory cards say they can't be discarded. Mm-hmm. 
that kind of well, threw me for a little uh, bit. Of- I, I think that comes into the light and the shadow cards because I think there's something about uh, the you can use the light cards because uh, I was looking at the light and the shadow cards. The shadows right. will go under a demon, right? And the light cause you to discard. I think the card that the, the, the shadow is under. I thought it was both. Mm. Since we weren't reviewing the expansion, I didn't really. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, we, yeah, we look through it and stuff. Then rules again, like I said, it's a, a two sheet rule or you know a single sheet double sided rule set, which is probably more that's even needed. What do we got here? You know, the front side here is a little bit of fluff telling you about the game, uh, tells you what comes with the game and how to set it up. So the front is set up with a little bit of a diagram, which uh, set up is again pretty easy. And then the backside is playing the game and what the final well, final victory. You apparently you're... had troubles drawn from the divine pile a couple <laughs> times there, so there well, is a challenge here. It's because you moved it from where I originally put it. Like, why has it got to be there <laughs> on your side of the table? There's a big scene because right we all table. know between the two of us who is the divine one. <laughs> yes, I am. Uh huh. So yeah, the rules are pretty easy, pretty straightforward. I mean, there was. This is a light card game. And to that, you know, I, I read it ahead of time. I read it a couple of times, you know, cause it had been a while since I picked it back up, read it again. We sat down, we played it pretty much literally as we started playing was telling Jordan what was going on with it. It wasn't like, okay, before we get started, let me tell you what we're going to be doing. You need to watch out for this and you needed this. It, there's, there was none of that. It was literally learn as you play. Uh, it, it was that simple and the rules, again, there's, there's not a lot of confusion to be had. So there's nothing confusing. There's nothing out of the ordinary in the, in the rules that's going to confuse you. Teachability. I think I pretty much just covered that one as well. Like you sat down and said, all right, you're going to learn it as we play it. And there was zero questions. It's probably one of the first times, like, I don't think questions hit the board. There was nothing there for me to break. <laughs> so extremely teachable easily taught so then we move on to theme so this is what i was kind of talking about a little bit earlier i mean the the theme i understand the theme i understand how the theme was set up in this game i just for us anyway i don't think it quite worked as a game i think it was a little too light and too and lack of interaction i think i you know before we were talking earlier i kind of mentioned you take this and make it a co-op with us again. I mean, and it completely changes the game, but you make it a co-op since we're both angels fighting the demons and make the demon deck something that we're battling against. You've got a, a, a more solid, more interactive game. Uh, it, it was kind of hard. I mean, you know, you, you're gathering points, but I'm not going to do anything to stop you from getting points and you're not going to do anything to stop me from getting points. We're just going to make sure the demon, you know, this is the DC deck builder only without the deck building. It's you, you go out there, you draw your resources, you get the best card you can and you move on thematically. I mean, the theme is strong. Yes. You know, the infernal cards are red. The demons are clearly demonic. The divine cards are blue. The angels are, and you know, as we were playing, I was looking up some of the, some of the names and there are like biblically accurate angels listed on these cards and stuff like that. So, I mean, Christian theme is, is there and that I give big props for because I've never seen a purely Christian designed game before. 
I mean, blasphemy <laughs> aside, <laughs> um, you know, it's, I look at this and I go, this is a very specific audience. And I'm Christian, so I, I don't, I'm not knocking them for that, but this is a very specific audience. To that audience, it has a very light gateway game for a Christian audience. I mean, thematically it works well, but that's the only thing that works. There's no interaction. There's nothing, there's nothing else. There's nothing that makes me say this could be a crossover game. I, it's not, it's not, it's certainly not a recruitment game, you know, but it's not, it's not even if you leave aside the religion, the religious aspect of it, if they were doing a, a, you know, trying to do that aspect of it, if you just leave it aside as kind of a war in heaven type game, it's, it's not even that the theme is there, but that, that's all that I like about the game. Yeah. And uh, like I said, I, I can, this is such a light card game. I, this to me, kids, I mean, I, I could see this playing with, with a younger audience because it's pretty much the pattern. The only thing is the scoring aspect a it's little just, bit. It's just that close to tic-tac-toe though. You know, it's, <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's, I don't have anything bad to say about the game because there's nothing there. It's, but by the same token, I have nothing good to say about the game because there's just so little there. What we gave, what we were given shows that they did put together a game. They had a concept they put together that concept. They worked with that concept. They put out a finished product that proves their concept works. It's a simple pattern matching point accruing game. And they got that across. But to my mind, that's all they've done. Yeah. I just, I keep wondering what is potentially in some of the expansions I know they have. Cause that I think to me is where this game was kind of interesting was when we when you were able to kind of maybe work with some of the few cards that had special abilities that had different ways to get points yeah there's no real value that i saw to the human form you know nothing that i ever nothing that we came across keyed off that just the the single-handed yeah no there are i mean like oh i know they're there it's just right when it was my side of the board it was never an issue. Yeah. And that was one thing, like I was kind of getting concerned about how many human form angels I was using. Cause mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm going to get stuck with like a, just a run yeah. of human fo- that, of demons I need for human form. Uh, and yeah, it didn't really happen for us anyway. I mean, they're in here, but oh yeah, I saw them when I was yeah. looking through the deck. It's just, <laughs> I don't know if they were all clumped and they were the last 10 cards or what, but <laughs> yeah, but that, that to me is where there was some interest, some spark in this game was when you start working with some of the special abilities and some of the, well, here's a different way to score or, you know, that that's where you start to see a glimpse. And that's where I'm like, what's in some of the expansions and do they need to be expansions or can you, can you work them into here to give it just, just a little bit more to keep me interested overall? Again, I'm the one that originally said it and I completely agree that it was multiplayer solitary. It really did not feel like I needed to, I could have gone and got a burger or whatever while it was your turn and came oh, back. You, and, you could have had pizza. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nobody offered. Oh, no, yeah. You're, well, you're no longer a guest, Jordan. <laughs> You've been over here enough. <laughs> you know where the pizza is. <laughs> so, I mean, just going into fun factor slash overall, I, I mean, we've kind of touched on it for us. There's an idea here. I like the, beginnings of it there's a spark of 
potential in, like I said, some of the special ability stuff, but there's just, there's no interaction in, in what we got. It's, it feels like a multiplayer solitaire and just quick pattern matching and you're competing, but you're not. So it, it, it feels a little, feels a little off in that aspect. And like I said, I mean, my thing, and it's a completely different game. I guess well, like is golf. The, the score the doesn't matter till the end, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like I said, I mean, keep the theme, make it a co-op, make this demon deck, like something nasty for all players involved. I'd be there. I'd be on board. I'm, I'd be all for that. But as it sits, it's like Jordan. I think Jordan said it. Perfect. I mean, we've got, we don't really have anything bad to say about this game. It's just, it's so light and it's, and there's so little interaction that it just falls outside of our interest zone. I mean, I'd like to know what, I mean, you said you see the potential, you know, of, you know, from the expansion deck and maybe what they're doing with the stretch goals. I say, but that's not what we're reviewing. We're just reviewing right. what we were sent. So given that, I would like to know what their design process was. What did they want to make? Is this what they wanted? And what was their thought process? Because everything works, but it doesn't do anything. You know, it's like, just a looping program that just says hello across the screen. You know, that's, it is not a broken game because it all works. Mm -hmm. There is a theme there and it is clearly visible. Mm -hmm. There is a written rule book or sheet. (laughs) There is packaging. There is a concept that Mm -hmm. you can tell they started with an idea and went from start to end and have a finished product that they feel is what they want to put out on Kickstarter. Okay. But between them and me and you to a certain extent, but in a different way, there's a drop. Right. So I'd like to know, are they aiming for kids? Cause it's clearly a simple enough game that very young people can, can work with this. Mm-hmm. Are they aiming? Are they aiming for the Christian market? Are they aiming for the child market? Are they aiming for? I'd like to know what their end goal is beyond what that product. And just to be clear, I mean, I, I haven't seen other than what we've got. I haven't seen other sets. I haven't seen. No, no, I, I understand that. Right. It's you're just, talking about the potential of what other things could be. Could potentially and, be. And right. I just want to know. Right. Is this what they wanted? Okay. All right. Well, that is our <laughs> review of Angels Michael's War. Again, that will be coming to Kickstarter in early May. So, uh, Check it out for yourself. Check out what they put up for a video and uh, if they have any gameplay or something like that. Again, we're uh, we're two opinions. You may differ. What we're watching. What do you got? I don't even think I changed my list from last time. <laughs> well, I haven't actually been watching much. We went to see Oculus, as, as I mentioned it wasn't it, it wasn't good. I mean, I kind of heard that. I still want to see it though. It uh <laughs> but I'll probably at this point it'll be like once it comes out and drops in price and I can pick it up. Well, you know how Cabin in the Woods is um awesome. It's it's the lore awesome. behind the horror movie, you know. <laughs> right. This is why horror movies happen. This is just a touch of that. Karen Gillan, well first of all, Karen Gillan has not yet mastered accents. <laughs> So they should have just let her be Scottish, or at least not American accents. She didn't do her dialect impression. <laughs> <laughs> so Karen Gillan goes on this explanation to her brother 
about the Oculus and about all the standard ghost story, possessed house, possessed object stuff, you know, variations in temperature, messing with technology, making automatic things no longer automatic, all that kind of stuff and spheres of influence. And she goes into, she uses the, she uses the term sphere of influence like three or four times, you know, and she has plants around the house to, you know, okay, they're dead here, but they're living here. So there it's a 50 foot sphere of influence, blah, blah, blah. goes through all this stuff. So she knows the mirror can dick with her. <laughs> And yet she still goes through the trouble of setting up all the technology and all the fail safes and having phones in the mirror's sphere of influence. <laughs> so at that point, you realize there's no good ending coming. I mean, in terms <laughs> of the movie or their characters, it wasn't, I just sat there going, just die. <laughs> Somebody, it didn't do it for me. It was... uh one of the things I heard, so I want it, I want your opinion on it since you got to see it. Hated it. No. Okay. <laughs> well, I know that part. That it attempted to be too many types of horror movies and, and then focus on what type of horror movie it wanted to be. Did you find that? No. It, it was very clearly the, you know, the possessed object type of movie, but the character, her character was written to be too clever. Mm-hmm. And the non-believer, the brother, well, the premise is, the mirror goes to their house when they're kids. Father goes crazy, kills mother, tries to kill them. Son can kills father, self-defense. He has a mental break, ends up in therapy, and therapy convinces him that none of that happened, except that dad went crazy, so he killed him. She dealt with it much better, remembers everything as it was. So he is the skeptic, and she is the believer. And the one thing they do well for a little bit is, is she crazy? Is she the one that should have been in therapy? So they do that well, but they stick pretty much with the standard cursed object. It's just they don't follow their own logic through the story. And uh, okay, I can see, I can see maybe what they meant because there's some scenes where you're not sure if it's juxtaposing memories with reality because they're remembering things that happened in certain locations of the house mm-hmm. as they're going there, or are they actually time traveling? Because there's one specific scene where he goes into his old bedroom and young him reacts to him being in the bedroom, even though young him can't see him there. Mm-hmm. So are they the ghosts too? You know? Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of one thing that's left dangling. And it wasn't bad because they got from point A to point B in a generally logical progression, but then it just falls, all the wheels fall off at the same point. <laughs> and then you're kind of left going, well, I really wish there'd been more Katie Sackhoff. <laughs> Maybe not everybody who's said that, but that that's what I left with. Arrow, catch it come on Arrow. My DVR refuses to record it for some reason, so I'm having to watch it on Hulu. Reload. Hulu. Reload. I hate that service. I understand now why people pay for it, because I don't know. I, I I can't stand watching stuff on their free site. Watch the first ep of Helsing, the uh, latest uh, anime that uh, Don sent me. It's uh, vampire-related, as you could probably guess. <laughs> Who knew, right? May 20th. That's when Don's recording right. with us again. I gotta get it done, and then get it to you. And, you know, as we talked about last time, Game of Thrones is back on. Yes. And uh, I just... How many accents is Littlefinger going to go through over the course of this series? Cause I don't, I don't, I don't know what he was this week. He's just 
some weird Irish Scottish brogue all rolled oh, that's, into that's your problem. That's have my you, problem. Have you not been reading the internet? <laughs> Tell him, Megan, uh, before you came over tonight, we were talking about this most recent episode and all the controversy and all that crap and everybody going nuts. And I'm like, seriously, if, if, if this is your cutoff point, how have you made it this far in the show? <laughs> this was the point where you decided there was no redeeming like anybody. <laughs> I mean, did you read the books? Cause with the exception of some exposition that happens in both their heads, it's the same scene, you know, not that I was keen on it in the books either. Right. No, this right. just made it a lot more, obvious in one direction seriously though because this this actually uh did you see adam warrock's update like i, I don't know if he, if it was on twitter or facebook he said that he's, whatever his last con he's like i hope you guys enjoyed hearing kingslayer because mm-hmm. after this week's episode that is the last time i will ever ever sing that song i'll ever perform that song no i didn't see that that blew my mind well you see this, you know, they, they've talked about over the four, course, course of the first three seasons, the divergences mm-hmm. where things go apart that he's here for the funeral. It do, doesn't bother me. Right. It's that at this point in the book, when he's out on the road with Brienne and then when he does get back to King's Landing, he's on his path to redemption. Yes. Whether was, he dies or not right. before that happens, he's on the path to redemption. He's turning into the good Lannister and this undoes that. Right. This undoes what happened last season and it casts a shadow on everything going forward. That's what I, I, that's almost the exact thing I was talking to Megan. I told Megan today when we were talking about that divergence and the fact that he's there, that it was, it's such a harsh cut into them showing the redemption that he was going through, not only in the show, but a lot of times in, in the books, it was slightly after that. I mean, we saw some of it coming up to that, but then that moment in the books, was one of his big turning points mm-hmm. to redemption. And in the show, they've already started that path. Huge halt. Yep. And pissed a lot of people off. And now they've got to try to earn everybody back with the rest of the road to redemption. And especially coming up with the fact that he's got to deal with Tyrion in the dungeons here soon and where he was in the books for that versus what's going on right now. There's a big gap here between the books and and how they've progressed on the TV show that again, I don't mind, but it makes me question what they're going to cut. Mm-hmm. Some of it is going to be good, I think. He said there's not going to be any midgets riding pigs this season. <laughs> so clearly Tyrion's not going over across the narrow sea. I hope given my opinion on that entire wasted 400 pages <laughs> that that never happens. Cause that was mostly a useless book or that part of the book. There was entirely no need for that. So I hope Tyrion doesn't have to go through that, but that creates an even bigger divergence because yeah, huge... we don't know what Tyrion they, he's already, the, the writers have already said that they've, he's agreed to work with them and give him, give them, rough notes on mm-hmm. where he's going for the next two books or right. two, three books, whatever it is to the end of the story. But still, I mean, Tyrion's one of four mains that are still alive. Mm-hmm. So if they don't send him across the narrow sea and start to tie him into Daenerys as it's done in the books, well, what are they going to do with him? Let me ask you something. Hopefully, I mean, it, it's, they've kind of hinted that it's going to be coming more here soon, but for what little they, they do with, Bran, should they have even bothered up to this point? Well, he has so little use even in the books. Yeah. That, I mean, he's already to the tree. 
yeah. you know, and that was 500 pages across two books. <laughs> and we still don't know what the purpose of the tree is mm-hmm. in the books. So are we going to get something ahead of the books? No, that's, that's not going to happen. <laughs> so no, Bran and they, they've even stopped mentioning Rickon. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> and have they actually, Sarah had forgotten who Toman was. Yeah, I know you that. Know? I was waiting for that too. I was waiting for it because we watched it with Megan's mom was here when we watched it. I was waiting for her or somebody to be like, who's that? Yeah. <laughs> Cause it, yeah, it has been such a, a backward and, and he's much older. Yeah. I was going to, going to say that it's like, like in the books, I got the impression he was like single digits. Yes. I mean, he was just like, he looks of, almost as old as Joffrey. <laughs> right. Cause in the books, it was all like, they almost made playtime out of him signing his name to get him to keep yeah. doing it because he was how he was so going to be young. so easily manipulated yes. because he is so young. Right. That seems like a real, a, a slightly weird divergence right there. Yeah. A little bit. I mean, other, other than they just, well, you got to keep, they didn't want to work with that young of an actor in that potential scene scene yeah but they've made everybody older though well right. at least the women so this is the first time they're making him a male older than than he probably yeah. was but yeah bran i mean we have to wait another two to four years you know <laughs> for the next book so who knows but as far as i'm concerned yeah they could just write that character out right now well it was just it was just such a by the way he's still alive <laughs> and, yeah and, and he's flash still alive away. and he, he's got the tree okay but nobody knows what the purpose of the tree is other than we assume it's going to be an ancient power that will help resolve something somewhere along the line. <laughs> Otherwise, well, much like Daenerys, he's just writing this whole other story that does not impact the Seven Kingdoms. <laughs> <laughs> and the only other thing I've been watching is uh, Black Sails mm. uh, from Stars. We wanted to. We we never have. We, we never started it. I was hoping it was going to be um, Master and Commander, but... It's more Game of Thrones. It's just politicking and intrigue. And the first step had a battle right away. Boom, boom. Lots of broadsides, boarding parties, fighting, limbs being blown off, people being hacked up. It was good. (laughs) That's what I wanted. The next five apps were just Game of Thrones. We're going to tell lies to each other, stab each other in the back, do some politicking. And then the last two apps was, well, the last step, was an excellent naval battle. It's what I wanted the whole season to be. And it totally makes me want to go get Sails of Glory now. It was an excellent naval battle. The two pirate ships are getting ready to lay a trap for a a Spanish man of war. And there's just this excellent scene where the ship in, in the rear is slowly listing to make it look like they're damaged so that they can get a broadside on its, uh, on the man of war's rear. And then the other pirate, the, the ship that is the actual pirate ship, cause they're, they're pretending that they had been boarded is coming about so that they have two broadsides on the stem and stern of the man of war, which in theory will just tear it from front to back. And there's just this excellent scene where the man of war realizes that they're, it's stuck and it's slowly coming around. And the one pirate captain is just shouting fire, fire everything. Don't let him come around. And then finally the man of war comes around and 25 gun slots open <laughs> and the captain, he just, he just hangs his head and he just steps to the rail and waits, you know, and just, and it's just an excellent scene because it's just first volley from both sides and you see huge chunks of both pirate ships disappear. And you don't see anything of the man of war except for billowing smoke and sails. 
and then it just keeps going for three more three more shots <laughs> just rolling thunder smoke sails and both these ships getting torn up just an excellent excellent end of the season i assume it's going to be a second season because it did end with a bit of a cliffhanger it's not spectacular but it is enjoyable enough if you kind of like that naval combat which is what i wanted and like i said it totally makes me want to go spend the 70 bucks or so for sales of glory now <laughs> all right still watching archer <laughs> and see so uh you mentioned arrow so watching arrow justified of course well that's done yeah, but we had to play catch up on the final, final episode. And, uh, the following, which I'm, I don't know. I like the show. I just think I'm a little dismayed right now because I know there's a third season. Oh God, there is. Yeah. They, they, uh, they did that before, way before they, we still don't know if we get almost human technically, <laughs> but, uh, they, they did, well, like they article. did the following right away. That article I sent you there, yeah. you know, we might get almost human, but only because there are shows that suck worse. <laughs> See, and the, actually, I think Mike and I talk about this in the next episode I'm releasing. I think we went into this a bit because that's when I had find, found out that the following and a couple other things were renewed and the following and almost human were getting pretty close to the same ratings for a while there, but. Some people were saying that because almost human and the cost. And I'm like, it's can't be cheap for them to do the following with who they have in it. It they just got, can't be. Yeah. I mean, bacon is not working for TV scale. I'm <laughs> sure. And they have a lot of locations. They move around a lot. Yeah. So I, I like the show. I just think it, it's going to be hard for me to understand where I got to wait till the end of the season, I suppose, but which is coming up here soon. I think well, I'm sure they'll just think he's dead again. Yeah. But that's just, it's just like, what else can you, where else are you going to take this? And I think even Megan, Megan has said, cause she really still likes the show, but she's like, yeah, season three needs to be away from him. It like needs to expand onto like either like a follow the cult type show or something like that. And that I could get back behind, but continuing on with this would bother me. I think the, how do we not catch him this yeah, week? Uh, <laughs> it's like, how bad is the FBI? Hey, <laughs> fits right to see. They got a lot to going on. With. It has a lot to go with, uh, almost human too. <laughs> Ink Master. Been still watching that, which was amazing. All right. So here's here. I know probably not a lot of people are following this. If you are, you're awesome. But this was like this season and especially these last few episodes have been like, all right, guys, we need to bring in some soap opera elements. <laughs> we need to bring in that really reality TV stuff. So last season, they let like the audience or whatever vote somebody or gave two people a chance to come back. Uh, and so this one guy came back. So he was on last season and he's been just ridiculously stupid off and on through this season. And they keep hammering it on him and he's just getting fed up. He's just like, I'm done, whatever. Well, one of the one episode they call the bottom down to say who's eliminated. He wasn't called. So he's all happy. So they eliminate somebody, but then one of the judges says, You let Kyle know he should have been down here. <laughs> and he blows up next episode in in the first flash challenge and tries to punch the dude. He go like he tries to he they had to pull him they so he went home because he couldn't 
control his violent temper. And there's been a couple other things going on similar to that, but it's just like so dumb, but so awesome at the same time. And then we finally started recording, uh, Tattoo Nightmares again, uh, which was. Is that uh, the rehab show? It's the, it's the cover, the cover. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the main guy on that was actually a, uh, competitor on one of the seasons of this and didn't win. But, and I think it was his his first season. He did a cover up from somebody that was on the show. (laughs) It might have been, I don't know. No, it wasn't Kyle's, but he did a cover up for somebody who's on the show. And I think I saw like a preview for this season. He's doing a cover up of one of his early tattoos. Nice. <laughs> and, and like they, the, the clip for it, the commercial clip for it is like, yeah, it's pretty clear. I didn't know anything about line work. <laughs> I like that show. I mean, just from the fact that the, a lot of times they, they do, I, I've, I've mentioned it last time I started working, uh, watching it, but the cover ups they do are amazing. Cause I, I have, I've, I see tattoos go in there for them to cover up that. I know most shops I've ever been to wouldn't touch, would just tell somebody that's not possible. Or sure, I can do a big black bar across it or something like that. And they come up with some pretty amazing things. So it's kind of cool to see the stuff coming out. And and then it's always fun. They do these really bad, bad, cheesy reenactments of the stories behind why the people got the tattoos. And this it's always is ruining like, my life. Yeah. And it's but and it's always like, well, I was drunk at a party one you know and and then so they do these really cheesy reenactments that are just awesome sometimes what tat shop are you going to because every shop i've been in they always ask you "You, you've been drinking (laughs) (laughs) and it's all you know and it's always like well i was dared or something but what you're talking about i got a divorce (laughs) those are some of those are the ones that always irk me though the ones that are like this is ruining my life i'm gonna lose my job and it's like well, you're going to lose your job because you're flashing people at work is actually, I, I think that's actually the issue because where your tattoo is, <laughs> if your boss is seeing it, <laughs> there are other issues with your job <laughs> or the ones that are like getting this covered up will save my relationship. I'm going to tell you now, let me save you some money. <laughs> that's not going to save your relationship. <laughs> if your relationship is hanging by a thread because of a tattoo, there are probably other issues. <laughs> Having Bobby's name on your boob is, is not really the. <laughs> oh man. And we talked Game of Thrones. So that's what I had as well. What we're reading slash listening to. I'm still working every now and then on Dragons of Autumn Twilight. I have not given up on it. I've just had other things. As you may recall, last time I said I. I was going to finish Daylight War just because I wanted it done, and I have changed my mind. Um, seriously? Seriously. You're just like, no, I well, can't do it. You win. Well, here, here's why. As I said, I was up to chapter 30, and I didn't understand how he could wrap this up in half a book. Well, apparently, he has designed it to be a five-book series. Mm. It was apparently marketed as a trilogy, so I thought it was a trilogy, and then I went to Amazon. I was like... there. I gotta look at some reviews for this book because I don't understand how. And one of the comments was, I can't wait for the fourth book. What the hell? So I go Google him and go to his site. Yes, there's some confusion about this. I've always designed it to be a five series. Okay. I don't need two and a half more books of this. So Peter V. Brett, you have beat me down. I 
I never want to read anything of yours again. (laughs) That's that's it. Wow. You have ruined yourself (laughs) for me. But instead, I have moved on to Dead Six, which is another Larry Crea book. He's teamed up, uh, you know, Monster Hunter International Mm -hmm. and Grim Noir. Mm -hmm. He's teamed up with another dude that I don't know his name. It's modern day, focusing right now on two different mercenaries. I assume at some point they will meet up. But it's a dude he worked for, you know, Blackwater type organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that organization gets disavowed. So he has to retire because his organization no longer exists and he doesn't want to go to jail. So he's being recruited. And there's another dude who was on a whole different mission. He was doing his thing. Again, mercenaries. Not quite sure where it's going. I'm assuming there's going to be six people. Some of them might be dead. I don't know. But I like Larry Korea. And it's very much the same tone as uh Grim Noir and uh and Monster Hunter. It's uh very technically accurate on the firearms. Very I don't know if this dude's from the South or if Bronson Pinchot just reads everybody like they're from the right uh <laughs> voices everybody like they're from the South. But I get this feeling that either he or he requested that everybody reread like they're from the South. Because everybody's <laughs> got a drawl and is slow talking. I there's no there's no northern people here that's i mean that's not a bad thing it's but it's just a theme i've noticed over all his books i'm only a few i don't know a couple chapters into it there's they haven't even laid down the groundwork about what's going on except that the other mercenary group has been blackmailed into doing something we don't know what i'm still working on the swarm the uh nature strikes back underwater book i mentioned last time and then on the comic side, I read the first arc of All-Star Western, the revival of that in the New 52, because it's Jonah Hex, and it wasn't good. There was some novelty there. The first arc, he's in Arkham. Uh, he's in uh, Gotham, mm-hmm. and he teams up with Dr. Arkham to defeat the serial killer, blah, 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 blah. And there was some novelty to seeing Jonah Hex in Gotham, but no, it wasn't, it wasn't good writing, so <laughs> I didn't really... And I generally like Palmati, Jimmy Palmiotti, so, but no, this, I, I didn't like it. Uh, and I'm also reading, I picked up, uh, World's Finest, again, from the New 52, and it's Power Girl and Huntress. Their story started in the Earth 2 book, right at the beginning of Earth 2, there's the end of the battle with Darkseid, and their plane gets blown up, and they're believed dead. This is not a spoiler. So, in World's Finest. <laughs> you say that. <laughs> and yet, I get the emails. Jordan at allusgeeks.com. Um, <laughs> So this takes place after the explosion, obviously, and they're on this other Earth. But it's very self-contained to them. There are references to other heroes and differences be- between their planets, like Huntress is trying to avoid any entanglements with the Bat family here, and Kara is trying to uh, avoid any entanglements with Superman from this world. Not only as a plot point, but it helps keep them separate to just their two little, their two storylines, because they're not always working together, but they're both trying to get, find a way to get them back to their Earth. So it's actually been very good. Power Girl has a new costume, doesn't have the boob window. Um, <laughs> I always thought, just kidding. yeah, it's teenage people. <laughs> Even going back into the day when they introduced her. But anyway, it's very enjoyable. So I would actually recommend uh, World's Finest uh, highly, uh, definitely more so than uh, All-Star Western. If you got a got a hankering for something a little bit different, you know, like I said, it's Power Girl and it's Huntress. It's not your usual combination. And, you know, especially for a World's Finest title that's generally associated with Superman and Batman, you know, they're playing on that legacy without using those two characters. Yeah, I like it. I'm still reading All Things Crossed. <laughs> So I went through Crossed Family Values, which was a little... I was reading Badlands, and I decided 
to jump out of that for a little bit. And cause that one was like the 50 plus issue plus a couple annuals and like family values and psychopath were like seven to 10 issues each. So they were smaller. So I jumped out of that and read through both of those. Those were kind of interesting. And then Badlands, I like Badlands from the aspect of, like I said, it's like it, that one seems to be kind of the ongoing one. That's the one where they recently announced that eventually we'll get to find out what started the infection in mm. the Badlands series. But I like it because it's the small arc. Every small arc follows a different group. So it's like every anywhere from two to like five issues uh, is a set story of a different group dealing with the crossed. And so that's always interesting. And of course it has all the regular things that you think, you know, you would have played on like in a zombie, but without it being the zombie. So it's like the, yeah, the crossed are bad, but humans can be bad too. And what you will do to survive now that this is the world. And, We're all the walking dead. Yeah. So there's all that. So you, you know, you, you, you kind of like, okay, where's, where's the real crazy going to come from by the time this show, this, issue or this whole uh arc wraps up and it's there's not a whole lot of shiny happy moments in crossed by any means and then some of the kind of cool things that i'm starting to get like towards the end i'm almost done with it i've got like i think i might only have like one annual left at this point i'm back in badlands read through everything other than going out and finding it because i think there are other issues but I can't get them through the app. I have to go onto the website and I haven't checked them yet to see if the price has dropped on those. Cause like I said, I got this on a big collection sale. So I've got like one annual left, but towards the end or going through the series, it was kind of cool. Cause you jump back. It's like a new, like a new group possibly dealing with, but like, Oh yeah, she survived. And now she's back and, and, you know, integrating in with another group. And, and, you know, so you, you get to see some, characters from earlier in Badlands or earlier arcs that are kind of here's where they are now. Is she the Bob of this from Walking Dead of this? <laughs> well, book? no, I just My I said first group died. Yeah. Well, My second group some, died. <laughs> I, I I just said she in that instance because that's one character that really stands out to me. I think she comes a, a couple different times, but there are other characters that kind of make an appearance in in different series that are different part different arcs that you're like, oh yeah, that person survived, and so this is what's happening with them now, kind of thing. I like the series overall. I, I enjoy it, but I, I'm, you know, obviously I'm a big horror zombie kind of person. And again, this isn't zombies, but it's Ennis. So again, that's fair warning in itself. I think most of Badlands though are like people playing in Ennis's world, mm. uh, now that he set it up. So a bunch of different writers come in and do these arcs and stuff, I think, but it's no holds barred. I mean, it's, and honestly, it's, Somewhat refreshing if you are a horror movie buff or a zombie buff that thinks about things logically. Cause you know, like even in, in the walking dead and everything else, but you know, like the kids are safe usually and that kind of kids are the taboo and, and, and you're always like, no, in, in, are you in, in a real somebody there, <laughs> but no, I just in a real zombie apocalypse or whatever in a real, this like, that's not going to be true. <laughs> <laughs> there's going to be just as many, you know, that kind of thing. So there's no holds barred. Nothing is safe. Nothing is sacred in the crossed universe. So it's, it's seems weird to say refreshing, but it's refreshing. It's from, refreshing to see the kids get yeah, from the, horror, <laughs> from the horror perspective. It's fitting, but you know, it's not for everybody. Definitely. And it's definitely a mature title. 
I've said it before. It's, you know, feed it, F it, or, <laughs> you know, can I do all of them at once? Uh, and a lot of times there are. I mean, there's, there's a lot of private parts worn as various adornments on the cross. <laughs> yeah. That's what I mean. Like I said, I think I've got an annual left and then I'll either figure out if I, there's other issues I need to grab. Cause like I said, I am kind of curious now. It's like, okay, well, where did the infection start? Where did it all kind of start from? So I might have to keep up with badlands. I, I saw today too. I like was looking around for, I was trying to remember what the other uh, series were, the little short series so I could write it down. And there's like, there's like a web comic series for it. Oh, too. really? It's like, son of a bitch. <laughs> Pulled me back in. <laughs> so I might have to go check that out and see if it's anything as well. You know, as we were just talking about zombies and zombism and pseudo zombism, just realized the crossover that I want to see that I think would be excellent marketing for MC. <laughs> you need to get Denise Crosby in as a guest judge on the Food Network's Pitmasters show. <laughs> okay. <laughs> nice. <laughs> what we're playing nothing 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 yeah i don't have a lot i mean i've got uh i played voodoo island and pull obviously because i did videos for those recently and and megan and i played through those and megan enjoyed them enough that like even when the camera was off it's like can we keep playing <laughs> no i missed the last two game nights uh, work has just sucked this quarter and then you heard about one of my clients moving all their changes to after after, after hours, nine. Yeah. So, stupid people. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I just drag. Oh, that's not true. I got Pathfinder in and some Attack Wing on the weekend, and I think I got in what game of Wild West Exodus after our last podcast. But yeah, just nothing. Yeah, like I said, spending I have- money on games that I don't even have time to play right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't done much. Like I said, I did Voodoo Island and Pole. And that's about it. The only other thing I was going to mention is I did find my Mage Wars stuff. Jordan and I have been talking about Mage Wars here for a while and, and wanting to get some games in, but mine was buried in my uh, pile of boxes. And I took a night. It was toward kind of towards the back on the bottom back there. So this is the box I'm going to want yeah, first. Let yeah. me put it all the way back here. I made a little maze through there and, and finally found it and then put everything back. But uh, I think I've got. Two spell books built, so as soon as I double-check those, Jordan and I are going to try to figure out some time for that as well. Yeah, I can work in a beatdown. Yeah. <laughs> but can you find armor tokens? <laughs> I don't need them. <laughs> oh, you need them. Burn tokens. Burn! Forged in fire. <laughs> Bring it around. Yeah, so I guess that's uh, that's going to be us, huh? Yeah. It's going to bring us to an end here of another episode. So again, uh, you know, just to kind of do some recap. First, thanks for the contest entries. We've been appreciating those. That's been awesome. And of course, we're looking for feedback on the Patreon idea. So let us know one way or the other. And the movie review. And the movie review. Do you want to hear more of that? Yeah. So I'm Jeff King. And I'm the Canadian. Thanks for listening. Captain Canuck. This podcast is a proud member of the Geek Cast Network. If you enjoyed it and are looking for other podcasts with a geek culture slant, head over to geekcastnetwork.com where you will find podcasts such as Two Bald Geeks, a podcast by two bald horror movie fans that dissect one horror movie a month, saving the spoilers for last. The Geek Cast Network. 
you can broadcast your geekiness at geekcastnetwork.com. ask my wife you know i don't have to ask her i've been there i know you can fake it <laughs> in your closet <laughs> well then who was under the bed <laughs> i don't know but he scared me at creepy eyes <laughs> mike <laughs> nikki <laughs> oh good lord and we've lost everybody we've lost us